maybe an idea is to, to take poop from someone who has a strong microbiome and essentially inject it into you. <laughs> if this is not the intro at the very beginning of the episode, we messed it up. Please continue. <laughs> Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history, life, and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted Conversation. We're back, year two. It's been uh, been a couple of weeks, but we're back separated from each other. Uh, Thousands of miles away again. Luke's still chilling in, in Regal Cap Hill, and uh, I'm back back on the farm, so. Back on the farm. Now, Jared loved his time out in Cap Hill. I know he, he told me he was thinking about selling his house and moving out here. He, he loved it that much. <laughs> I, I definitely said something. <laughs> to Luke when I was out there, and I'm I'm not exactly sure where he got that idea, but uh, but you know it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Seattle's a, a good place to visit, so I, I enjoyed my time out there with with Luke and all my many other friends and colleagues. So that's yeah, right. It was yeah, good. now I went to some good restaurants, an in person pod, had a review on the last year of uh, sixteen incredible podcasts. Um, I, still, I'm pretty baffled that we're keeping it going. You know, they always say a lot of podcasts die after the second episode. So look at us. <laughs> year two coming down the pipe. Yeah, consistently for one year, every week, 16 episodes. I mean, not many people can accomplish that. <laughs> Highly consistent, that is for sure. And we're kicking off year two equally as consistent as we were last year, which was very consistent. Yes, exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I think, I mean, we can just get right into it. I don't know if we have any any pre-show. Um, Please, no. Jared seemed pretty excited about the topic today. We're just uh, we're we're full swinging. We're starting year two off with a bang. A very interesting conversation. Um, well, we should get we'll to a see. point to where I, like the other person tries to guess what we're talking about. Um, I, I don't really well, have any guesses. But, go ahead uh, and guess. <laughs> send your send your best guess. Luke. You just suggested it. You know, I'm thinking it's got to be some history related. We haven't done something history related in a while. Um, and so I'm ready to be uh, flat-footed here because I'm not a history buff. So, hmm, I don't think it's gonna be war-related. The last time we talked about war, uh, it didn't go too hot. So um, I'm gonna say some like civilization. We're gonna talk about some historic, like 1800s civilization of some sort. That's that's my guess. I'd like to start by saying 1800 civilization is like us, but <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> I'd like to start, you know, then I'd like to, you know, step off in, in, in the beginning, the real topic. We'll see how this mm. goes. We're just going to, we're just going to, you know, you know, run with things where they go. As um, we do. I ho- hopefully it can be interesting. But Luke, how practiced is your biology? Oh, oh, baby. I, <laughs> not well. I remember uh, ATP, isn't that a thing? Um yeah, there's not the synthesis. Podcast. Nope, yeah. nope, not not the pod. Uh, let's see here. I remember, like in biology, I had to like memorize like leaves and bugs. Um, okay. But to answer your question, no, I am not practiced whatsoever in biology. <laughs> well, you know, we've done a lot of history podcasts. 
one of my other, you know, interests, more more smaller interests, is biology. Um, That's so, an interesting interest. Uh, I thought we'd we'd do a biology topic um, because wow, all right. You know, I think oh, we've we've hammered technology, we've hammered uh, history. I think that it's time to do something something else that that we're we're good at which is biology, like you said. So good at. You have a lot of experience with it. So Lots. uh, What I want to talk about specifically with biology is the concept, I guess concept's the bad word for it, but um, microbiomes. Have you have you heard of microbiomes? They've been they've been like in the news, like in the media some uh, in the past few years, Um, but they're a really interesting like biological and like physiological topic. Um, even at just a basic scientific level. I cannot wait for my girlfriend to listen to this podcast. She is a food science student in a master's program right now uh, that deals a lot with this. So I'm, I'm familiar with the gut microbiome from the sense of hearing about it from her. Uh, I, she's probably explained it more than, uh, than I'm about to portray that I know. So uh, beyond the words... Um, yeah, that's kind of where it stops. Well, I cannot wait to gravely disappoint your girlfriend and my... <laughs> yes, it's about to really exploit knowledge. my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, obviously, we're not here to present a, you know, a peer-reviewed study of anything on this podcast. So As a matter of fact, about- please, listeners, never quote anything from our podcast as a source. Never. Uh, <laughs> yes, disclaimer. In one of our first episodes. Uh, so we're going to continue that into this one. So gut microbiomes. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to give the explainer? Or do you want me to the, the base level? <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll, can- I'll fill in any gaps. How about that? If, I, if there's anything you miss, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and fill it in. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, what we're going to be dealing with today, <laughs> the microbiome. I think when a lot of people grow up, you think you have this idea of what yourself is as you develop your scientific knowledge. And typically, you develop this, this scientific ideal that your body is made up of your cells, which contain your DNA. And all of the human processes, your digestion, your senses, your muscles, um, all of this is essentially run by, by you, by your body. And what makes up a human is, is all of the human cells. The concept of the microbiome or the reality of the microbiome is that, you know, by number, there are far more non-human cells in your body contributing to your processes than there are human cells. What that means is that there are many billions and trillions of different bacteria um, and other microorganisms that are living in your guts, on your skin, throughout your body, that are doing their own digestion and filling into the micro, uh, into the biological and metabolic pathways that happen in your body, to either supplement or even in some some organisms and in some pathways in the human body are like vital to them and so the microbiome is everything that makes up you because like the human body isn't just human cells the human body includes all of these you know bacteria cells um 
and whatnot. And so, yeah, essentially what I want to talk about today is that this concept, whether how philosophical or scientific we end up getting, that our bodies are made up of much more than just us. And that poses a lot of interesting questions like, what are we? But um, yeah, that's that's kind of like the base level microbiome explanation. Luke, I'll let you I'll let you use your your significant <laughs> other's knowledge imparted upon you to correct any anything. Man, I might have to might have to phone a friend. No, I great explanation. I don't know if I have much else to add. I'm I'm curious. Uh, maybe if you want to dive in more, what you meant by how much of us is made up of not us? I'm not really sure where you're getting at with that. So. What what would you consider your body, Luke? Uh, <laughs> like what do you like? What do you mean? Like 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 from a physical standpoint, what are you? Do you consider your hair part of your body? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you consider? Your skin part of your body. I, I have to say so. I'd have to say any part that is attached to me at my moment that is not close. So fingernails and hair and yeah. Do you consider the oils on your skin part of your body? I'd have to say yeah. Okay. Body produces it. Okay. Would you consider a bacteria on your skin part of your body? Yeah. Okay. So where does the line... Okay, I guess, do you consider a splash of grape juice on your skin part of your body? Did my body produce that grape juice? Did your body produce the bacteria? Mm, I guess it depends. I mean, yes, I guess it's like if you consume something and then it excretes that, then I guess that's, I mean, I still think the answer is yes, because your body interprets whatever you consume and then it excretes it in whatever way it wants. And so, yeah, I'd say I still say yeah. So grape juice, no, if your body didn't produce it, bacteria, yeah, if it is, comes out somewhere, somehow. If, what if the bacteria came from the environment but started living on your skin? Because a lot of our microbiome comes from the environment. Such as what we eat? Such as... Not even how, just what... Like so nature. our gut microbiome is all mostly what we eat, right? Or what we get from our, our mothers uh, in the womb uh, and during, during like delivery and whatnot. But other parts of our microbiome, such as the many bacteria that live on our skin, you know, and whatnot, come from our environment. And that microbiome can change um, based on where you're living, what organisms are around. So they can just like, you know, they can get on you. They start living on your skin. There's obviously lots of bacteria all on your skin. That's not necessarily from inside you, but is living on you and participating in some of what you could say is less important <laughs> parts of your like uh, physiology. So I guess, would you consider externally introduced bacteria that are like living on you, not in you. I think that's a different conversation slightly as, as part of you fully. That's interesting. I mean, I guess it's, that's hard because it's like, 
yeah like if you spill like water on your skin is that your is that like you well no but like if you spill water on your skin and somehow it seeps into the pores and it becomes something and it excretes back to like yes like right because it's like your body consumes something and excretes something therefore it interprets it in its own way and so therefore it probably is but um yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess that would be my answer. I don't know if it's like, I can't imagine like this perfect bacteria slice that just falls in your arm and then just like leaves the exact way it was found. Um, I guess in that case, no. Um, but I'm curious uh, where, where you're getting at with all this. Well, I guess, I mean, I don't know where I'm, where anyone is getting at with anything, really. But uh, the, I guess there's this, the idea of like physical self is what I'm, I'm kind of interested in is because, you know, we obviously just in the, the very nature of like the microbiome, we are more than just human cells, right? The question then becomes which of these non-human cells are actually like ours, right? Are part of, what would you consider part of your personal like expanded genome, so to speak? Uh, so the, like the idea of the expanded genome is that your like genetic code is not only your DNA, but it's also all of these organisms that are living with you. It's DNA. Um, and it's just like, it just brings up a lot of interesting questions. Like if you, if you, let's say give someone a kiss and then some bacteria that was in your mouth and, you know, participating in enzymatic reactions, breaking down food in your mouth is now in their mouth. Is that now, is that still yours or is it now theirs? Like it came from you it you know was part of you and now it's in them is it, it, it like you know obviously this is all kind of just like useless philosophical mm-hmm. you know pondering but like do you have any thoughts on that at all so it's just something that's interesting never thought about yeah and that's something i never really thought about i'm not a thinker like you are jared but i guess now that i now that i think about it it's like the same way of saying like oh well if you know you eat a sandwich and then it goes inside of you and then you release the sandwich after x number of days when you use the restroom um <laughs> like therefore sandwich is never you like eh, like i don't know like it like it goes in it interprets it it does what it needs to do from a you know transferring nutrients and whatever sciencey stuff i don't understand and then like it's the same way it's like you mentioned kiss like sure it's like it's you now with them but also that body is now interpreting it in a way that like wasn't the same once you just before right so i i, I don't know it's like at what point which I assume is pretty instantaneous. I don't know. But like, at what point does like your body take something and interpret it to become, become its own? Because the way I interpret that would be different from the way you interpret that, which would be different from, so it's like, regardless of if it's the same, you know, sandwich that I eat, you eat, whoever else eats, um, we all, you know, absorb it differently. We all take it in differently. So I don't know that that that's, that's interesting. I, so the part about, I guess I'm still not grasping, like, like a, what the, the, the part about, are, are, are we trying to pontificate on the fact that like, we are both humans, we're both the same, yet the way that we, like, while I have X percent, that's just me, you have X percent, that's just you. It's like, at like, where does that start to change? Is that what you're kind of getting at? Or is like, I, like the, I still don't understand the part about that's like not, it's not us. <laughs> well, Cause it's like, is it like, as you introduce new things to your body, it, are you like saying that like, it changes the way that our microbiome or whatever, like interprets what comes in and what goes out? Like, is that what you're getting at? And therefore it's like constantly changing or like, I guess, what's the part? 
Yeah, so I think that one thing that's important, and I'd like to start referencing a good book, which is I Contain Multitudes, which I think I've told you about before. Um, but it's a book by Ed Young, uh, and it's a it's a pretty good like overview of micro like the current it's like a review book of like state of microbiome research. But um, like there's there's two parts. I guess there's there's multiple types of microbiome like pieces, right? There's there's bacteria that might live their whole life within you and die and reproduce all in your intestines and your stomach and your in various parts of your body that never come in or go out as far as they're concerned. They've just lived their whole they've always been inside you as far as they're concerned. And so some of this is some of this type of microbiome is introduced to you from your uh, from your mother uh, when you're in the womb. Some of it is introduced as you're being birthed essentially um you know to you uh and then you you get more microbiome so if you eat certain foods that might introduce certain um organisms which might stay in you and uh help break down things uh there might be certain organisms maybe you say you get from certain food products maybe a dairy product or something yogurt you know, they talk about like probiotics. Those are like mm-hmm. introducing new uh, organisms to you. And so you have kind of this quote unquote permanent, I'd call, I'd say microbiome. And then you also have, I guess, a transitory microbiome, which is, I think what you were mentioning where things will come in, go out, um, go away. Um, because like the truth is you always have, you know, un countable colonies of bacteria living all over your skin and all parts of your body and some of those might like be there for a day before they die off fall off you wash your hands some of it might have lived in some capacity on you for like years uh doing this thing or that contributing to your body odor and that that can all change depending on your environment depending on what you do you might uh eat different foods this is a really interesting part of Uh, this book, I Contain Multitudes, one of the many interesting uh, points they make in it is that obviously these organisms, they eat certain things too, right? And they also release signals which can affect your body, can give signals to your body. Um, And one of the kind of emerging areas of research is how specifically your gut microbiome, which I'm sure your girlfriend knows all about this, (laughs) could uh, could school me in the the matter, is, (laughs) is able to affect what you want to eat so if you have a gut microbiome that really likes fatty foods they like to break down fatty foods then in some cases they're able to release certain chemicals that give signals to your brain that can contribute to you wanting more fatty foods and then you know feeding essentially feeding them so they're now these microorganisms that are living inside you semi-permanently or permanently are starting to pull the strings a little bit and as they gain influence, I'm doing air quotes here, over some of your preferences, you might start ingesting more foods that they like, which will contribute to their population growth relative to other organisms that maybe like healthier foods, quote unquote, that you know, it causes them to reduce. And so it's kind of like this this play. So in some senses, like, you know, I don't know, I just rambled for a long time. But your original question, <laughs> your original question was like, what lines are we trying to draw here? And I guess I was trying to say, you know, we have like this permanent microbiome. 
but it can always be tra- changing in different ways. It can be changing based on the decisions we make with food, how we wash ourselves. It can be changed based on who we're hanging out with, what microbiome, what ways are our microbiomes inter- intermixing with each other. Um, another interesting thing is the book is how they talk about kind of like macrobiomes, bi- and I don't think that's the word to use, but like families have microbiomes where they're sharing essentially these organisms between them in their households, um, which... You know, there's very little research on on that in particular, but so there's kind of this like, I would almost consider it like a thumbprint that's changing all the time of what your microbiome is. And the question is, because it can be changing, it's not just permanent, where does that line draw between what, quote unquote, you are and what is just your microbiome, if that makes any sense? Hmm. The, yeah, that's interesting. I... I like the idea of like permanent than transient because it makes you wonder, like, obviously like there's differences. Like if you were to measure me, let's say, I don't know, is there some measurement test of my microbiome and yours or whatever? Like it would be interesting to see if like you and I, I mean, we're physically a little, a little different. I might weigh a few more pounds than you do. Um, but it'd be interesting. Like if we were to measure before and then for 30 days, we were to eat every single meal, the exact same, like how much would our microbiome like converge on being the same? Because I, I'd be, I'd be curious to wonder like the, the family scenario, like you'd have to imagine that that's a lot rooted in less about you sure genetics. Obviously that probably plays a big part of it, especially in the permanent one, but the transient one, depending on how, I don't know, this is, I don't know, but depending on how like up for grabs it is, so to speak, like it makes you wonder that if what you consume, if that influences a big part of it, like, if you just converge on eating the same foods, does that like converge the way that your body makes up the biome? Therefore you and the person, the people that consume the same, have a similar reaction, have a similar, uh, this is not microbiome related at all, but, um, you know, have some friends. Well, my girlfriend is actually celiac. Um, so I'm not going to, and she does her research in celiac. So I don't want to make a fool of myself, but it is interesting how, there's definitely, this is just speculation. Um, this isn't necessarily scientifically backed, but you know, you have, I have a couple, um, people that we went to school with where, you know, one person found out that they were celiac. And then after a few years, the other person found out they were celiac or, you know, there's obviously a gene specific to folks who have celiac. Um, but it also makes you wonder kind of where, where nurture kind of comes into all of it to where, you know, let's say you, maybe my girlfriend has a kid and she has celiac. If we, Perhaps, A, there's the gene that she has celiac, maybe that maps to the child, therefore that's a strong indicator. But also, if maybe you don't introduce wheat, barley, or rye to that baby for until they're six years old, like, are they going to have an allergic reaction? Well, <laughs> I would assume probably, right? So it's like, it's interesting how maybe, I'd be curious to see, and I'm sure there's research on it, but just like, of the transient versus permanent, like, how much of the environment, I guess, that you, of things you consume, the environment that you're in, dictates kind of the way that you gravitate towards um which is interesting in all walks of life but i think specifically in that in the biome context too it's very interesting i don't know what you think about yeah, that Yeah, because one of the like i think it, it, that's a super interesting aspect of of this field um you know especially when you, you talk i guess specifically about like the gut microbiome but if you think about like if it was the case just like oh this the microbiome has just this ungodly effect on your how what you prefer to eat and whatnot like 
you imagine you say you take someone who really likes healthy foods and you want to like healthy foods. You just take their microbiome, nuke your gut microbiome and replace yours with theirs. You know, this is actually something they do with fecal transplants. If you've heard of that. No. Um, so <laughs> damn. Uh, so this, uh, this, this was a thing that I was thinking you might've heard of. There's, they were in the kind of like the media for a while, a few years back, but, um, an area of research essentially dealing around microbiomes is saying, okay, let's say you have this condition that where you have a, have trouble maybe um, breaking down this certain, uh, I don't know, this certain protein or this certain sugar. um, And there is certain microorganisms that play a part in that process, that metabolic process. Well, if you don't have, a sufficient or a good number of that organism in your microbiome, your gut microbiome specifically, maybe an idea is to, t- to take poop from someone who has a strong microbiome and essentially inject it into you. <laughs> if this is not the intro at the very beginning of the episode, we messed it up. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Timestamp. But <laughs> inject it into you and then now you have a better microbiome, quote-unquote. And so, let's just say, I'll say celiac disease. I, I'm actually, my fiance's doing a paper over the genetic components of celiac disease, so I know more than I should about it. But very complicated, um, and actually great area of study, since they don't know everything about the genetic components yet. But um, let's just pretend for a second that like some microorganism that's not, a, you know, a bacteria has a big part in um, breaking down, um, breaking down the, the, the gluten in, in wheat. And so you just inject yourself with a non-celiac microbiome to help ease your symptoms, so to speak. Um, and there's a lot of other interesting research in that the I contain multitudes, which I'll put a link in the show notes, but uh, like microbiomes have been even like weakly linked to like mood. So like how, like, you know, do they have potential, you know, effects on how you, how you experience stress or depression or, um, happiness. Um, so if you take a microbiome of someone who is a very happy person, just like, you know, unexplainably a happy person and put it someone who is, kind of like a chronically depressed person, does that have an effect due to the chemical signals and secretions that that specific makeup uh, of microbiome puts out um, and has an effect on the body, if that makes any sense. Like there's a lot of weird questions about how do you get affected? How can you be affected by other people's microbiome in positive and or negative ways, I guess. Mm -hmm. This isn't microbiome related, but like, I think introductory or introduction, well, it kind of is, but introduction of something is very interesting. Like, um, there was this, there was this TikTok uh, that I watched once, um, this account, (laughs) Uh, if I remember correctly, it was like this woman who is like allergic to like carrots or something. Um, I can't really remember, but I think it was carrots, but anyway, it was like the journey of eating a carrot was like the series and she's allergic to carrots. 
And what she did is she would like eat like a little tiny bit one day and then not feel that good. Eat a little tiny bit the next day, feel a little bit better. And then once she like felt stable, she would eat more of a carrot. And I think there was like the final episode was like her eating like a bag of carrots or something, which is crazy. Like I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure she definitely got through a couple carrots at one point. I guess I don't really know where she's at today. And she's, I'm sure she's listening to this episode this right now. Is this the only thing so. the TikTok? That that was like her thing. Like that, like a lot of TikTokers have their shtick. Um, there's also this is totally different. There's this guy who's like working out every single day until the gr- the Taco Bell's grilled stuff nacho returns, and he's on like day 412, which is just crazy. Like people have these shticks um, on TikTok. Anyway, hmm. back to this woman that introduced carrots into her life. Like that that's interesting. Now Jess, celiac, allergic to gluten. If she were to just have a little tiny bit of bread she would go to the hospital. Like, so it's interesting how it's like, granted different ways that it breaks down totally separate. And again, she'll probably listen to this and school me on everything I'm saying wrong, but it's like, there's, there's interesting parts where it's like things that you can introduce into your body or into your life at a slow and steady pace ramp up over time. And then there's things where you just, you just can't, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, there is a word for this that Jess uses all the time. Um, but for example, like being like a uh, lactose intolerant or not, right? Like mm-hmm. there are some people out there who just like, you know, they're lactose intolerant, but like if they really want ice cream, they're going to have it. They're just going to deal with a tummy ache. And then there's some that like would have a bite of like milk and just be wrecked and like vomiting, you know? So it's like for like those folks, it's like, it's interesting. Maybe if you have like a slight tolerance over time, if you were to just, I don't know, eat half a yogurt for like a week straight and then you got a third of a yogurt for a week straight, like what would happen, right? Like building up your tolerance. So, um, that's why it's like, I think the interesting about the, the, the training aspect is like, if you and I were to just take a snapshot in time today of whatever, and then eat the same for 20 straight days, I'm curious how, if anything would converge at all. I mean, I would, I would assume, yeah. Um, but I wonder what would converge. I wonder if it would just be like effects of that, like certain levels would converge or well, I don't know, but like, yeah, I, I wonder if it's like the thing itself, like the microbiome itself converges or if it's like the way that your body interprets it because of your biome and whatever else your body is consisted of, like the way that it outputs that via cholesterol levels and whatever levels, like talking out of my ass right now, but like, it's curious about like, is it the, is it the output that's affected or if it's the actual thing that's affected, if that makes sense? Well, I think that's, that's an interesting point. I guess I would feel like the output would be pretty, correlated with the base level um like microbiome fingerprint i guess i'll call it a fingerprint when i say like the makeup of the community the makeup of the microbiome so if you know our microbiomes converged on a on a fingerprint level i would assume that the output would likely be relatively similar but of course that's also assuming you know stability between our other areas you know for example if we eat if, if we just ate carrots for 30 days only, whatever microorganism in our gut microbiome that really enjoys carrots would probably thrive and the rest would be screwed. But the way that that would affect us would probably depend upon, you know, what are our other, um, what is our other physiology? Not, not only like what's our other microbiome, because we have more than just the microbiome that's affected by that, by what we eat, you know, how is, is that affected at all? What is our other um, kind of hormone levels, base hormone levels? Um, how do, 
you know, how efficiently does our body, do each of our bodies, you know, transfer any signals from, you know, microorganisms, you know, in our gut to our brain and to other parts of our um, body? What do our immune systems do? Do our, do our immune systems like the things that make carrots or will they attack them? You know, like, in like an autoimmune type disorder, even though it's not autoimmune because they're not, they're not our cells, but I guess makes, see what I'm saying. But like, I think that there's so many different aspects that could affect it. But I think that like in at least the, the localized area, I think that the, the convergence would, there would definitely be some manner of convergence between us on like our, our gut microbiome, I guess, if we're just eating something the same, if that makes sense. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's so many studies about there. Like, I especially think of like identical twins. Like, I'm sure there's so, there's so many studies of exploiting to like those twins for you know like we're gonna have one twin be the control and the other twin be the something we're gonna try something new with and see how it all like compares. Like, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting uh, to maybe even look this up afterwards. Like, yeah, like. <clears throat> when you keep a control and then it's just like you make a variation or the other way around if you take two variations and you try to stabilize like um it's just it's it's curious if there's any because it's like i don't know like i guess it's unrealistic to say that like if you and i had the same diet for 28 days that we would look the same in 20 like that's not true so it's like <laughs> uh, like we'd, I, like, we'd be the exact same Our hair yeah, i'd have like change. red hair all of a sudden it'd be great like i'd have like a house in lincoln it'd be nuts uh yeah it's just <laughs> we'd converge but like i wonder like yeah if there is anything like that would be noticeably converging or if it's like not even converging it's just like stabilizing to where things should be i'm not the healthiest person in the world so if i ate healthier like would it just would my levels of x y and z normalize like and it just so happens that you and i are eating healthier so to speak so it's like i don't know if there'd be any correlation whatsoever um but yeah yeah i guess another if you could uh if you could inject your microbiome like that's an interesting concept. You were talking earlier about like changing. Like, uh, is that what the book talks about? The book that, says like there's an interesting theory that you could change based off of certain desires. Like that's what the book was saying. So, so the the last part of the book kind of is like a review of the current state of like microbiome mm. research in a way in like a, a easily readable form. And the last part of the book talks about that aspect of microbiome research, which is like um, what beyond just like base physiological effects, what other effects does the microbiome have on you? And like, how can we exploit that for treatments? And so they talk about, there's not many, as least when the book was written, there weren't like many great, like scientifically good studies on the effectiveness of a lot of these things. Um, and so like, it's not like a heart it's not quite hard science, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it discusses the possibility of, you know, obviously if your microbiome is having these effects on you due to X, Y, and Z, then obviously changing your microbiome changes those effects. And so how might we be able to induce those changes when they're medically or emotionally beneficial to a patient? So like, if you're feeling dis depressed and this specific microorganism 
excretes a chemical that increases the your body's excretion of dopamine and makes you feel better, or something like that, then is injecting you or having you take a pill, a probiotic, it's probably a much more <laughs> kind way of saying it, with that microorganism to seed your microbiome away a type of antidepressant. That's kind of a, a thought. Or, you know, various other things besides that, but that's just an interesting one, so to speak. Hmm. I'm curious, like, when we're 50, like, is there going to be, like, like, I feel like up to this point in our lives, like, there's a lot of ways for us to supplement how we, like, supplement our longevity, like multivitamins, and you can consume this, and it improves that, and, you know, there's cosmetic improvements, so you can shrink your stomach, and you can get skinny, or you can do Botox and change your face, right? There's a lot of, co- but, like, physically changing yourself like physically changing things about your physiology such that you can get reap some benefit like i feel like the whole shrinking your stomach thing is probably the most popular one but popular but that we have today i'm curious like when we're 50 do you think there's just going to be opportunities to arguably extend our lives improve our lives by a surgery like inevitably things like you know uh, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't say transhumanism necessarily but it's like mm-hmm. a lot of things we have today is just supplemental like oh take this you'll improve but then there's like opportunities for oh like literally change this part about you and inject this and it will change the way that your body does X like I'm curious how many of those opportunities will be by, in our lifetime I mean that, that's obviously the future um, or is it but I'm curious in our lifetime when we see it. Well, first I'd like to say transhumanism, hashtag foreshadowing. But um, mm. uh, I think that it's tough to say. I think that in the next 50 years, there will be a lot of opportunities for a segment of society to take advantage of things like this. To, you know, I think the microbiome is is an interesting one. The most, the most, obviously the most interesting one that we have would be genetic engineering, uh, where you can say, um, one very interesting thing would be, what if you could, (laughs) what if you could use something like CRISPR, which is a, uh, a method of genetic engineering, uh, where we can very precisely do genetic engineering to, edit the DNA in very specific cells in your body. So let's say you want blue eyes. Boom. We inject um, these essentially like you know, the CRISPR. I think typically they use an E. coli carrier um, to run it, but um, inject it into your eyes. It switches your eye color from brown to red or something because we you know, genetically engineered it to do that. And that's kind of what you said, but it's like, oh, you have cancer developing in, you know, in this bone, inject some manner of, you know, something that will identify the, um, identify the messed up DNA and kill those cells by messing up the DNA further so that they can't reproduce. 
I think that that's going to be the most interesting change or advancement in the medical technology field is, you know, obviously microbiome is interesting, but like, how do we take, go beyond that and change our actual DNA, um, when it suits us. So when you get older, you possibly might be able to do something to, um, correct the DNA copying process in all of your cells so that your cells don't, don't start breaking down your, as you age, your, the DNA copying process between your cells gets a little, you know, more and more messed up. Um, and you know, that's not the only component of aging, but you know, we could you know, do that. We could, you know, fix so many diseases all by messing with our DNA. And I think that would be very interesting. Also a little bit scary in some ways, but I think it, by the time we're 50, that's 30 years, which seems like forever. Um, I think that those opportunities will be starting to be very possible. Yeah. I mean, right when you said 30 years, seems like forever, but it's not like, I don't know. I was thinking instantly back to like 1992, like, I don't know, the Mac just hit the shelves for like eight years and like, you know, like iPhone wasn't even a thought yet, obviously. Like iPod wasn't even a thought yet. Like, and those are just like easy examples, consumer examples. But like, I'm, I don't know much about medical, but I'm sure crazy medical advanced over the last 30 years. But yeah, it, it makes a question about, you know, if we can, should we? I think there's an easy argument for like, yeah, cancer patients, obviously like get, get rid of cancer. That sucks. Get it out of here. But like, uh, genetically modify yourself so you can have red eyes or I, I want to stop eating red meat. So I'm going to like do something with my body so that I don't like what, whatever. Right. Like I'm curious how far it goes until it's like shit go back. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, you hear about all these dystopian ways that people alter themselves and change, like, right, like the book, the sci-fi books that you read. But um, I think about that a lot with, like, Neuralink. Like, obviously, with uh, this Elon Musk's, you know, ambition to put a chip in your brain and do all these things. And the the the, the conduit of how he's doing it is that they're starting with monkeys to train it. And then, obviously, we're going to put it on people um, that have certain disabilities to try to cure their disabilities. But then there's the obvious not obvious, but a potential next step for how do you then use that to rather than cure your disabilities, you use it to become a high powered superhuman so you can do X, Y, and Z and know all these things and have this AI in your head, right? Like it's curious, like it's going to get to like using innovation as a point to cure something. I think historically it doesn't always stop there. So I'd be curious how far it goes. Um, Red eyes is harmless, but doing things that you can live till you're 130, that's, I think, where it gets more interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about this for another two hours, but I think that, like, that's, like, the transhumanist episode. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like, uh, for sure, of, like, how extending yourself beyond what is human, and then the question is, like, what is human? Um, but, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to steal from that episode too much. I have a lot of thoughts. We'll have to do it. a we'll have to do a slight prompted, uh, mildly Slight, prompted, like slightly episode. prompted episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's it is it is going to be very interesting because I don't know we're we're in such a 
a state of rapid innovation and change in the world right now. Like, almost like dizzying and scaringly fast. Uh, where we're doing things before we have any idea of what effect they have on us, our societies, or anything else. Like, for example, the smartphone. Like, the smartphone has been around for a decade, a little more than a decade now. Like, that's no time to understand an effect on a society. If we looked back at, like, history, there are... A decade is, like, a paragraph, if you're lucky, in in a history book. And so... The fact that we are having all these rapid changes in the course of just a few decades, and that's kind of like, that's the modern world. Like, things get faster. Like, another interesting question is like, what crazy thing are we going to do that is that could just like mess us up as a society before we even know it? And maybe we've already done it. Maybe smartphones is the thing. We're so we're you know discon- disconnecting ourselves so much from society and um, kind of like ourselves and that it's going to have consequences in 20 or 30 years. I'm not necessarily saying that's the case, but who knows. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that the, the pace of change, like you mentioned, 30 years is not that long, but it's a long time. In technology terms, it's a real long time. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be really interested to see what happens. But Yeah, I think we're going to have to totally do a, a transhumanism follow-up. Um, I definitely have some thoughts on it. I know we're running at our artificial time. But uh, I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I have, think a, I have, have a couple good books for that itself. too. Okay. So. Well, may, maybe I'll have to do a little, uh, little cliff notes on those books. So I'm less uh, flat footed, but that, that just goes against the, the spirit of unprompted. I feel like maybe, today maybe I, I feel like just, was, Oh, go for just, it, please. I can just off the record, recommend a book to you. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I feel like today was definitely an episode in the spirit of like, you know, the very canonical, two guys just chit-chatting on a pod, putting shit on the record um, that I know nothing about. Um, well, I can't so I'm glad, I'm glad that you, more, so. I'm glad that you brought some very, very grounded facts that you were able to bring to the table <laughs> and guide the conversation. Um, and I will make sure that my girlfriend who studies this for a living uh, does not listen uh, because I will, I'm sure I will get clowned on. Um, <laughs> well, if she listens, I'll be, I'll be excited to hear her, her correcting feedback. Well, so she might I have can... to be a guest on the pod and just correct all of our wrongdoings. That would be that'd be really interesting. I'd really enjoy that. So that we'll have to see. We need to get more more uh, more guests. So yeah, if you want to be a, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, be the you know be the first listener guest. Just reach out, <laughs> reach out, put <laughs> see, your how, feedback in the form. I'll say, how would they reach out, Jared? It would be would it would it be the feedback? Where would they find the feedback form? Perhaps. Um, the unpromptedpod.com unpromptedpod.com our very live website that's totally not down right now right (laughs) unpromptedpod did i spell it right oh i think i got it i think it it is up it is safe it is up uh which means that the a spanking shiny beautiful redirect to a notion page uh, <laughs> very very high thought but what really matters is when you scroll all the way down there's this fancy thing that says contact us and we would love your thoughts opinions feedback on the episode and if you fill it out we have a promise to you that we will shout out you if you want in the episode and say thanks for listening um unfortunately after a year we have had zero count them zero 
feedbacks. Uh, no, there's two test love, feedbacks. There, that, there are two tests, and we would love for you, listener, to be the first non-test. Um, <laughs> but before before we wrap it up, usually this is our banter for the end. I, I, how could I forget our our regularly scheduled program? <laughs> Which is officially regularly scheduled. It used to be quasi regular. It's pretty regular. We're a year in now. We're we're pretty serious about this. I think we're uh, mm-hmm. this is officially a regularly scheduled segment where uh, I ask Mr. Jared uh, a history question about a time, place, location. Um, he enlightens me with an interesting fact. So I, I'm curious. This is maybe a little unfair because you also happen to be a connoisseur in cooking and uh, history as well. But is there any interesting like? food facts or dietary facts um from like long ago i'll let you pick the time frame but i want you just to tell me an interesting like you know like before we even knew about nutrition and all this stuff like maybe in like 1500 1600 something like that like just tell me interesting do you have any food facts or like dietary facts that we didn't come to know until much later that's a curveball for you Um. So, oh, he has something. I, I, that was, was quick. I, I was really, I was really looking forward to, uh, to the the exact date, but um, I have a food fact, not really a dietary fact. Um, that that popped into my mind. I just want to make sure I get the pronunciation right. Um, so I'm doing a quick, uh, a quick thing. Um, uh, this is good content here. I'm very uh, good. patiently waiting. Okay. Um, I was thinking of the different era. I was going to tell you there's this specific particular spice that grew in, uh, kind of Libya, Carthage area that the Romans drove to extinction because they liked it so much. Um, and I thought it was asafetida, but I think asafetida looks like it's actually still grown in Iran. So it's it's not that one. I think that's the replacement. Um, so I will come up with a different fun food fact, um, which would be... Oh, I, I enjoy this one. When you think of potatoes, Luke... Where do you think of? Idaho, baby. Okay. Or like, like what country would you say is like the origin of the potato? The origin of the potato. Like just off the top of your head. If you just like the most potato-y country. United States, Idaho, baby. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say continent Europe because everything starts there. Um, I'm going to say France seems potato-y. Okay, I'm surprised you didn't say Ireland. Um, uh-huh. but, <laughs> of course, Guinness. <laughs> but there were no potatoes in Europe before 1500. That is interesting. Because the potato was domesticated in Peru. And it did not reach Europe, where it is almost the quintessential food especially in like Ireland and Eastern Europe. It became like the quintessential food where it's like all of the traditional cuisine in Eastern Europe, like think Czech food, Polish food, has a lot of potato. 
It didn't exist there, right? Chili peppers. Very common in, like, Asian cooking and stuff. Were not there before the Americas were um, kind of like... I don't want to say discovered. I don't like that word. Peanuts in Thai food weren't there, weren't traditional Thai food. My fun food fact is that a lot of the quote-unquote traditional foods are not at all traditional because they didn't even start existing in a lot of the regions where they became traditional besides the last few hundred years. So if you went back to like Ireland in 1300, there'd be no potatoes. If you went back to um, Thailand in, uh, you know, 1300, there probably wouldn't be anything like Pad Thai. So that's my fun food fact. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but a lot of, a lot of what, that's... a lot of the things around here are, or a lot of the traditional foods and stuff are, you know, part of the Colombian exchange and all these new things getting introduced around the world. Super interesting. That is very interesting. This is uh, not, this is very tangential, but I've always wondered, like, besides like McDonald's and Starbucks and all that stuff, like I would love to go to a restaurant in name a country that's not the United States and go to an American restaurant. Like here we go to like a, you know, Indian restaurant. We go to a enter random cuisine restaurant. And I always hear people, a French restaurant. I had a French coworker at one point who just like would shit on everything that said it was a French restaurant. And he, there was one restaurant in Seattle. He said that was like kind of close, um, but didn't exactly nail it. And it was like the way that it tasted obviously, but the way it was introduced and like, it was just funny to see things in the menu and just like, man, I don't know if that's French, but apparently, and like my, my concept of what French food is, is just because, so it'd be interesting to, also go to a restaurant in Whitney wherever an American restaurant, see what they'd serve. Um, see if it would be burgers and hot dogs on the menu or what, what would be ours. And then fast forward a hundred years. Is that, is that the mainstay? Like I'd be curious if American food today versus American food a hundred years ago, um, I would imagine the American food today is instantly thought of greasy, fast food, gross, fatty. Um, cause that was a huge movement as of the, I don't know, recently, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. The concept of blank cuisine, um, a, how that changes over time, B, how different cultures interpret that as well. Yeah. I think, uh, one, one thing we'll have to do, we'll have to take a little field trip, uh, to Madrid, mm. Spain, <laughs> where there is a job. restaurant called Nebraska. Really? It's like the Nebraska restaurant or something in Madrid. I saw it. And I, I almost went to it, but I was like, I don't want to get um, quote unquote American food. But uh, yes, Nebraska, the rest, I don't know if it's like called Nebraska, uh, but uh, yes, there is. You got to think what, like steak on the menu, but I don't know. What would you say? Potato? Like, I, I, like, I'm curious. Like if I had to pinpoint, like if I had a five course meal that I can give one of my friends who is from a different country that says, give me the best American five course meal. I'm not sure what I would do. I'm not sure what would be. Cause it's like when I went to London, I was always like, gotta get fish and chips, gotta get bangers and mat, like whatever. Right. Like, but is that what people in London think is their food? And like, it's interesting that that's my perception of what theirs is. Yeah. Cafeteria, Nebraska. 
in Madrid, wow. Spain. Do you have the menu? Is there a menu? There is. It doesn't look like. The, wait, is there a menu here? Yes. It's and all Google in does Spanish. translate. And well, it's I, is it a PDF? It's pictures. Damn it! I was like, because you can translate can the also, web page. Um, I'll just say. It's not what I would think of when I think of Nebraskan food. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about this I'll put the link after. in the show notes. I'll send this to you uh, Please. as well. Please. But, yeah, this is this is not what I would think of. Uh, looks good. <laughs> looks good. But Looks good. Maybe not Nebraska. I do not see a steak. It's an option. That's a, that's a tough sell. And, like, out of all the states to call out, like, I'm like, why... I don't know. I think most people don't know that we're such a big beef state. Like, hmm. the pe- most people don't know that we, I think we're still, at least when I was in high school, at least we were the number one beef producing state in the country. I don't think people know that. Um, hmm. I think they think of, they don't think of us at all. Uh, no one thinks yeah. of Nebraska. So That's true. I will say there is one, one of the top steakhouses in, uh, in Bellevue touts that they proudly serve Omaha steaks, which uh, garbage. I agree. Yeah, Omaha so it's steaks. Interesting. Don't waste your time. Yeah. Do not. Get get your steaks from a rancher you know from up north. It's the best way to do it. <laughs> I will say, looking at this menu, it's it's giving me diner vibes. Like I could see how it's American. I'm not yeah. sure if what I'm not sure Nebraska where that comes into play, but I'm seeing some like uh, tater tots. I see. I'm seeing a burger. I see like you a see little. The, like, crazy Sandwich? hot dog looking thing oh is that what that it, is it's special nebraska <laughs> uh <Not> bratwurst <laughs> okay bratwurst okay i can see that wait okay bratwurst uh fried onion i think cajun salsa gotta uh, have the massive uh the massive dessert menu i respect that yeah wow that's that's interesting that's a, that's a fun wow. well fun, thank fun you for inviting me there. I yeah. it's on the little road trip uh, on the <laughs> it's a quick list. detour sometime when when we're <laughs> when we're going somewhere. But, well, sir, thank you for a very interesting episode. I, li- I like the I like the new topic that wasn't just a tech business that I always bring. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I we, we brought it back the, to innovation. We brought it back. We to really innovation. did. We brought the, truly unprompted. Um, yeah. We're kicking off year number two correctly. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I think we're we're definitely hitting up on our artificial time limit, so probably have to end it here. But uh, Luke, it was it was wonderful once again, as always. Um, Pleasure. And you know, thank you to all all the, all the listeners out there. Uh, hope you uh, hope you enjoy year two. There's you know, hundreds of episodes planned, meticulously researched coming coming your way. So we will you know you'll know about them when they appear in your podcast feed. Or when you you get it recommended by our by our many avid grassroots mm-hmm. um, grassroots listeners, so our unprompted influencers that we oh, that we wow. pay that's to spread the word, the un the unprompted, that those, wow. that's our following. <laughs> well, there it is. If you want to be a member, just uh, fill out a feedback form form, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll introduce you to. I think the uh, the, the more unprompted. we push the feedback, the less likely anyone is to fill it out. <laughs> Well, I think I put this last time. If somebody fills it out, I will Venmo you $10. If we get one feedback, $10 is yours. That's all. Send Make sure to put your email in the form so we can, uh, <laughs> we can contact you. So Luke can fulfill his promise. <laughs> well, as always, Jared, thank you. Uh, and we'll see, we'll see you next time.
See you later. Bye. Bye.